Yo, young adults, don't miss Remnant on Thursday. Come on. So good. Ooh. Are we keeping it this dark? Oh. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Y'all got your Bibles and notes? How much time do I have left? What time does this service end? Whenever I say it's over, I guess. Open up to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Take out something to take notes with this morning. If you're here at church, you might as well have something in your lap to follow along. You know what I'm saying? Take out your Bible, something to take notes with this morning. It was darker earlier. Now I can all see your faces. It's a good looking crew this morning at the nine o'clock. Come on. Love it. Mark chapter six. We're going to read a few verses. Uh, if we haven't met, by the way, I'm Andrew and I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time here, you've been new around here. We love you. So glad that you're here this morning. You look amazing. You made it to church. Way to go. I hope you're encouraged. Uh, we, uh, we like to stand for the reading of the word of God around here. Amen. So go ahead and stand up. Open up to Mark chapter six. I'm going to start us off with a few verses and then we're going to cover probably like three chapters or something. Uh, but it depends on how much time we have, how much time I take. You know, anyways. <laughs> Mark chapter six. If you're there, say I'm there. You know you're allowed to be in a good mood at church, even at nine o'clock. I woke up so late this morning, slept right through my alarm, and I was like, dang it. <laughs> Verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. <laughs> Jesus, check us out. <laughs> Want to hear all this cool stuff we did? I didn't realize this, but he's about to be like, yeah, watch this. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. I'm thankful for rest. Sometimes God takes you to the desolate place on purpose. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Right? He says the Sabbath or the man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Rest. Sometimes he's got to take everything else away so you can see the one thing that's been there the whole time. So if you're missing some things in this season, I know it stinks, but look for what is there. Amen. We're totally not getting to the message this morning. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. I mean, that's the cost of revival right there. We can't even eat, let alone get our same chair in church every week or whatever. <laughs> I can't even sit down and eat because there's so many miracles and everybody's so hungry. Oh, my God, let it be in our day. Jesus. See, that's what we're going for. Amen? Lord. <laughs> and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. They, they, they said, if you're not going to do church here, we'll track you down and find you. Because they were hungry. Somebody say hungry. hungry. 
When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came up to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. To eat. That's why I want to share a message with you titled this morning, You Give Them Something to Eat. I know you can't write it down because you're standing right now. You're going to sit down in a second, and that can be the first thing you do is write that at the top of your notes. You give them something to eat. Can we pray this morning as we open up the Word of God? Yes. Jesus, we love you, and we welcome you, and we recognize you in this room. We're asking that you might open up your Word to us in power this morning. Change us, speak to us, move us. Use us, shape us, shake us, wake us up, encourage us, challenge us, train us, educate us. We're here for you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And while we're praying, God, we're asking for, for uh, miracles and for the presence of God. We're asking for the glory of God, the kingdom of God to come so that we might not even have leisure to eat. <laughs> Why not, Lord? We thank you so much. We thank you for every person in this room. We thank you for every person watching online right now. We thank you, Lord, that you see them, know their name. Hallelujah. Everything they woke up with this morning, everything on their mind, everything on their heart, we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Mark chapter six, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Why don't you go ahead and write that down? I've been noticing recently in, in parenting my children, they're, they're uh, three and six, and uh, I've got, we've got a baby coming in a month. So that's exciting. And it's going to come along with some challenges, you know? Uh, and I know that because I've already got two. So I've been noticing with my kids recently in, in parenting them how quickly they are to respond to what I say to them when I tell them what, I want, what they want me to say and how quickly they question me and push back on me and want to discuss and negotiate whenever I say what they don't want me to say. It's shocking. Same voice, same dad, different response. Dad, can I have some chocolate milk? If I say yes, thank you. And they're gone. Dad, can I have chocolate milk? No. Oh. Please, why, why not? Can I now, can I at dinner? Can I after dinner? You know what I'm saying? And then no, and then how about this one? That's been Smith's new thing in the last like four days, just head back. I can't even bend my back that much. It's like he's walking like bent this way, but backwards. That's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, ugh. three-year-olds. I've kind of been there with God personally saying things I don't really want him to say, <laughs> telling me all the, telling me some things I don't necessarily want to hear. I've been wrestling with him, especially this week. And that's what this message is like, Lord, ah, but what are you, what, why, what? Ah. See verse 30, Mark chapter six is our text this morning. There's a lot of background and there's a lot that happens and we're just going to talk about a whole lot of Bible and I think we're going to get to something here at the end because we have very little time, but everything's up in the air right now. So I'm just going to be honest. I don't feel bad if we just preach till the next service starts. Whatever. Over it. 
Somebody say, I'm over it. You over anything? You're looking at anything in your life and you're like, ah, I'm over that. I'm over it. See, in verse 30, it starts off that the apostles return to Jesus, tell them all that they had done and taught. If you look at verses 7 through 13 of Mark chapter 6, you see that Jesus has just sent out his apostles to in pairs to different villages and towns surrounding where they are. He sent them on a missions trip, gave them all authority to cast out devils and preach the gospel, go to cities, go into houses, see revival. They come back and it's amazing. They said they tell them all that they've seen and done. And if you read through verses 7 through 13, like things go crazy. This mission trip was nuts. Verse 13, they cast out many demons, anointed with oil, many who were sick and healed them. Verse 14 says King Herod heard of it. The king heard of it. Things got so crazy that the king heard of what's going on. It says that for Jesus' name had become known. So Herod, the king at the time, he had heard about Jesus because Jesus has been doing some stuff recently. But now what he's hearing is that it's not just Jesus doing it. It's Jesus' followers doing the things that Jesus was doing. Things are getting crazy. The king hears about it, and uh, it, it's, it's, so it's, it's amazing stuff. It's going down, and uh, it, it talks about how like Herod had heard about Jesus, and now him and his, um, him and his guys are like, who is, this? who is this dude? And so things are so crazy that they're all talking about how Jesus must be some prophet from the past raised from the dead. And things are so crazy that King Herod says, no, actually, I bet, John, I bet it's John the Baptist who's raised from the dead. That's, this is so crazy that it was probably John the Baptist raised from the dead. So now John the Baptist, they tell the rest of the story, I think, in verses 21 through 29. It just goes to show how nuts this all was because Herod had actually just cut off John's head a few weeks earlier. And Herod's like, I bet that dude came back from the grave. Like, what does it take for your logic to tell you that? How crazy do things have to be? You see what I'm saying? Like things are nuts. God's on the move and it's powerful. It's so cool. And so when they get to verse 30, they've been on this trip. They did a great job. It's miraculous and powerful. And so in verse 31, Jesus says, good job, guys. Let's go on a little vacation. Let's take a few days off. So they go to take a few days off. And uh, it, it says they, they went away in a boat because they had to leave from where they were. Because like we said, it's revival breaking out and they're trying to have lunch and nobody will even let them eat. Because they're like, we got sick people y'all need to heal. We got to hear about this. We got to be a part of this. I wonder what it would look like just for a hunger that deep to just need Jesus, need to be around Jesus, need to be around the people of God. A faith like that, I just, I'm, I'm hungry for that. And so they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, it says that many saw them going and recognized them. They ran on foot. They go to the, verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. We're going to talk through a lot of Bible. Can you track with me to the end? Whenever we get to the end, just stick with me to the end this morning. I know we're kind of all over the place, but God's speaking and it's good. When he went ashore, it says Jesus saw a great crowd. They went to get alone, but by the time they get there, there's a great crowd. It says he had compassion on them. He had compassion on the crowd for they were like sheep without a shepherd. The disciples, on the other hand, don't. Don't have compassion. They do not have compassion. They are over it. They're over it. They, they are over it and they let Jesus know about it. They let Jesus know about how over this crowd they are, about how over this situation they are. See, everybody say one more time, I'm over it. I'm over it. Do you know what it feels like to be over it? 
You know, like you're in a situation and it's like, yes, I, I love my child and I'm sure that the picture that they just painted me is so cute, but it's been a long day. I'm over it. I, I, I'm, I'm over it. I know, I know I'm going to get to that place in about five weeks from now. Oh, I know this little baby's so cute and I love her with all my heart, but it is 3 a.m. again and I am over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I know I should be really nice to this person right now. I know I should be thankful for this job that I have right now, but honestly, if my boss asks me for one more thing, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I know we should be compassionate with the people around us, but I'm over it. I know I should be doing this, but I'm over it. I know what to do, but honestly, I'm over it, Jesus. I'm over it, Jesus. I'm over it. I'm over being where I am. I know I should be nice. I know I should be doing all these things. I know I should have a bad attitude, but I'm over it. So if, if you're here this morning, you've been doing the best you know to do. You've been giving it all that you have to give. You've been trying as hard as you know to try, but you're still looking up and seeing that people need more from you. Situations need more from you. It feels like God is asking more from you. You've kind of given it everything you've got, but now here you are. You kind of got to a place where you thought you would have a break for a second, but there's more. You, you, you need more. You need to give more. People need more from you. And you know what you should do. You know what you should say, but you're over it. If you are there this morning, I want to encourage you. Just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Talk to him about it because you've been wondering, what am I supposed to do? Because the pressure is building. I'm about to snap. Oh, y'all good Christians. So you don't know what that feels like. Okay, I'll talk about me then. I know what it feels like. The pressure is building. The frustration is building. The anxiety is building. The questions are building. The wondering is continuing. And I just don't even know where I can go to let this out. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who can handle that. I don't know even who know who can help me right now. I want to encourage you come to Jesus. You've been wondering where can you go to take off the mask that you've been wearing to protect the world from everything that's inside of you? Because if you let it out, somebody's going to get sick. Right. Where can I go? Come to Jesus. I want to invite you to come to Jesus. I, and, you know, because sometimes we get to that point, Jesus, I know. I know you're with me. I know, I know, I know you're with me. I know you're amazing. I know you're powerful. I know that you love people. I, I love people too, I really do, just not today. People are awesome. People are great. I, I, and I, Jesus, I, I want to see you move in my life. I want to see the kingdom come. I, I do believe in you. I really do. And I know that things are desperate right now. I know that people are struggling. I know that I should be a part of what you're doing in the world, but I'm tired too. I'm hungry too. That's great that you have compassion on the crowd. But I'm over it. I'm over it. They come to Jesus and they make it very clear. They make it sound really sweet. Look at verse 35. I like this. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Like, oh. <laughs> Way to think of everybody else, guys. You know, Jesus, we were talking about everybody. They're probably all tired. They're probably all hungry. We should probably send them home so they can get something to eat because they're probably tired and they're probably hungry because it's late, so they're probably tired. Not us, them. They're probably tired. They probably need something. Don't you think it's kind of late? Don't you think it's kind of 
We're kind of hungry. Don't you think it's kind of desolate out here? I think we maybe should send them away. I don't think we should talk to these people anymore. I don't think that we should handle this situation anymore. I think that we should go where we meant to go. I think we, that vacation we were talking about. <laughs> I bet they're hungry. In other words, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm hungry. Please tell these people to leave me alone. <laughs> Please tell these people to get out of here. Jesus looks at them. You give them something to eat. <laughs> right? You give them something to eat. But seriously, how lame is that? How frustrating is that? That's how I feel right now in life. I kind of want it all to go away. I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of hungry. You give them something to eat. It's like you're looking around at the things you're going through in your life, the things people are going through, and you're like, what am I supposed to give them for this? Like, we can laugh at the disciples and all that stuff, but really, I mean, come on, I get it. Like, what? And so they say, what, what does he say? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? This is ridiculous. I have... They say, what are we going to do? Go buy 200 denarii worth of bread? That's about eight months worth of your paycheck. Whatever your paycheck is, think about eight months of that. That much bread. Like, what do you want me to do? Go spend a year of my money on bread right, right now? Which, where am I going to find that much bread anyways? Where am I going to find that money? How am I going to carry it? When am I going to get it back here? By the time I do, it's going to be a week from now anyway, so they should just go home. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, what do you want me to do? Jesus says, well, how many loaves do you have? To go, go and see. <laughs> How many do we have? Five. <laughs> and two fish. That's all it says. You could just taste the attitude. But it's not just the attitude, it's the honesty, right? Five and two fish. Jesus looks at them. Tell everyone to sit down. Hmm. He takes the bread, he blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, he gives the disciples the bread and they give the crowd something to eat. And they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Can we keep going on a few different Bible stories here? Because I just, I've been learning some stuff this week and I think it's helpful for us. If you go down verse 45 after the end of this story, it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. They're back in the boat. Back in the boat, headed, headed somewhere else. And so this is another famous story. Jesus walks on water. We're gonna just skim over it. They hit a storm. They're scared. They're struggling. Jesus walks out to them on the lake. He's gonna walk past them. They think he's a ghost and they're like, ah! And he says, no, don't be, don't be scared. It's me. And they're like, it's not quite comforting. Like, how is this happening? And so Jesus walks up on the boat, like walks up to the boat on the water, gets in the boat. And all of a sudden the wind stops. And it's like, what is going on? Okay, what is going on? But there's something here in the Bible that's really strange to me, other than the fact that he walked on water and made the storm stop when he got in the boat. He walks on water up to the boat. He gets in the boat. The wind stopped. And the Bible says, look at verse 51 in your Bible. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. Okay, sounds right. 
Yeah? Okay. You Pretend you don't know this story. <laughs> and that happens. Okay. They are astounded. And then there's verse 52, for they did not understand about the loaves. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> what? what? For their hearts were hardened. Like, how are we talking about these guys like this? These poor guys in Mark. These poor disciples like, oh, their hearts were hard. They didn't think about the loaves. They didn't get it. And I'm like, no, I thought they were astounded because of the whole walking on water thing. They didn't understand the loaves. What is the loaves? Okay, move over to chapter eight. Here we go. Verses one through three. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd. Is this starting to sound familiar to anybody? I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. Another hungry crowd, another desolate place. Verse four, and his disciples answer him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? I'm over it. I'm over it. You're Jesus. You're the one that's supposed to do something about it. Stop coming to me. I'm over it. You're the one with compassion, so go do compassionate things. Because me, I'm over it. You don't want me going over and talk to those people right now. <laughs> I'm over it. Another hungry crowd, another desolate place, another presentation to the disciples, another response of, I'm over it. Verse five, and he asked them, how many loaves do you have? You give them something to eat. How many do we have? Seven and a couple fish. Tell everybody to sit down. Takes the bread, blesses the bread, breaks the bread, gives the disciples the bread, and they give the crowd something to eat. And they take up seven baskets full of leftovers. You sticking with me this morning? I know, I know, I know, I get it. We're getting somewhere, I promise. Okay, verse 14. Well, no, sorry, verse 10. And immediately he got into the boat. Another boat. You see in the pattern here, this is interesting to me. Verse 14 and 11 through 13, they have an interruption. Verse 14, they're back in another boat. Verse 14, now they, now they had forgotten to bring bread. There's a lot of bread in this Sunday morning. Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And between verses 15 and 16, that's exactly what happened. They look at each other like I just looked at you. And the reason we know that is because of what 16 says. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. <laughs> like, 
let's just forget he said whatever that was. And let's get, let's get back to the real problem at hand. Sometimes that's what it's like when God speaks, huh? You're like, no, I came to you with a problem. What does that have to do with anything? Okay, it's just me. Okay, I'll be honest with you. That's how it is with me and God sometimes. I come to him with something and he comes up with something way irrelevant, it sure seems like. Like what? What does that have to do with anything? So if you ever read the Bible and you're like, what does that have to do with anything? It's the right question. You're not crazy and you're not a bad Christian. Okay. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having hearts, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Don't you understand? Are you, are, are you too distracted? Have you gotten too tired? Have you gotten so over it that you can't look up? Have you gotten so lost in the routine of the life that you're living in or the lack of routine that you are living in right now? Have you gotten so focused on what's going to shake next? What lack you feel right in front of you? What situation you don't fully understand? What problem is immediately in front of you? Have you gotten so lost? in the weeds and down in the mix that you have forgotten, that you haven't noticed, that you haven't seen? Do you, are your ears closed because you've just been lulled to sleep by everything going on and on and crazy and crazy? And so everything's just crazy. So it's like, I might as well just fall asleep and try to sleep through this whole thing. I can't actually fall asleep physically, but my, my mind, I've just put it to sleep. My heart, I've put it to sleep right now. Because if I can just hibernate through all of this, then I'll wake up in spring and we'll all get back to business. Am I right? Have you fallen asleep? Have you gotten too distracted? Is your, is your heart closed? Are your ears closed? Have you, have you forgotten how to remember? Sometimes you have to remember some things. You're missing something going on around you. And so he says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And the whole church said to him, the whole church said to him, and the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And the whole church said to him, and he said to them, do you not yet understand? I'm over it. I'm over the questions. I'm over the loaves. Right? I'm over this. I'm over having faith for the next thing God's doing in this season. I'm over it. I'm over it. Feeds 5,000 people. 5,000 men is probably 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Feeds another 4,000, another 20,000, whatever. Feeds another 4,000 with seven loaves and two fish. Looks at a dozen dudes in a boat who have one loaf and all he gives them is a weird question. <laughs> weird question. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of Herod. A lot of bread. A lot of bread we're talking about here. In Matthew 13, Jesus is telling a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. When a woman took it, he worked it into three measures of flour till it worked through the whole thing. And that's the end of the parable, kind of like this question. You're like, okay, what's the point? <laughs> so she worked it in the bread. Then what'd she do with it? Did she bake it? 
Did she let it rest? How long does she let it rest for? I've been trying to do this sourdough thing. Like I need to understand how long was it? How many times did she fold it? How many times did she knead it? How long did it bake for? At what temperature? Like, do we don't find out anything? All we know is she worked the leaven through the thing. And now it's like, don't you understand? Like, no, no. Everybody in with me? No. no. Do you want? No, I don't understand what's going on here. I'm tired of hearing about how there's a bigger picture going on. God's on the move. I'm like, I got one loaf of bread in this boat and I'm hungry. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm over it. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of Herod. Whatever in the world that means. See, Jesus was constantly rubbing up against the systems in the world that he was living in. He was in constant conflict with the, the kingdoms of this world. They were in constant conflict with the kingdom of God that Jesus came to announce. See, the Pharisees had a religious system. And when the Bible speaks of the leaven of the Pharisees, he's talking about the, this religious system that was trying to reduce the perfect love of God, that was trying to reduce the grace of God, that was trying to reduce it into all the things that you could do, all the things that you could earn your way to God, all the things you had to do to prove yourself to God. All the ways that depending on the different works you can do, now we can make class systems of in church and see who's the, who's the superstars and who are the ones who are kind of down low. Well, we're going to do that with our built up system, but we're going to put religious words on it and we're going to take some of what the Bible says and twist it just a little bit so it sounds right, but it gets to make me feel better than, it make, than you. So now we've built some systems and Jesus is like, you got to watch out for that. You got to watch out for this. I heard somebody say one time, us humans are suckers for religion. And it's so true. And I, and I know that in some, in, in some Christian circles, we can be like, yeah, religion is bad. Like Jesus is relationship, not religion. But we're just as much a sucker for it as anybody else. We're suckers for it. We got to watch out for the things working through our lives that we leverage that sound religious to make us feel better about ourselves and somebody else. Make us find our spot. The other thing is they make us feel worse than somebody else, which means I can lower the bar of expectation and I can disqualify myself and I can sit on the sideline because I'm not like them. I would never make myself feel better than somebody else, but I sure will make myself feel worse than somebody else. It's the same leaven. It's the same leaven. You got to watch out for this leaven. See, the Pharisees had a religious system, so that's how it works out in us. But Jesus was in direct conflict with this all the time. And we skipped over chapter seven. And chapter seven is like one big argument for the most part between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus and the Pharisees, because the leaven of the Pharisees, what that, what that looked like is that, that the Pharisaical system, the leaven of the Pharisees kept coming up to Jesus throughout his whole ministry. And what they were basically telling him is that I need you to be whoever I want to make you to be, Jesus. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. Jesus, you need to be whoever I want to make you to be. You need to write that down. Nobody's doing it. I mean, Jesus is saying right here, watch out for this leaven. Let's take notes. On this one, it's very clear. Jesus said, hey, I want you to watch out for this. So I want, I want you to watch out for the things that are trying to work in and through your life that are saying, Jesus, I want you to just be who I, need you, who I want you to be. I'm going I'm, I'm to shape you into what I want you to be. I'm going to put you into the box that I want you to be in. I'm going to make you look like I want you to look like. 
Watch out for that leaven. Herod represents the cultural systems, the cultural uh, systems and the the worldly, earthly governments that Jesus was in in constant conflict with, not in a war sense, but in kind of a a spiritual and almost a philosophical and lifestyle sense. He was in these conflicts with these worldly systems and he was in conflict with the cultural momentum. I mean, I wish we could unpack it, but Jesus was just absolutely radical in the culture that he was living in and the worldly system was trying to work in and through people's lives. I know you would never know what that would feel like, but the, but the governments of the world, the systems of the world, the culture of the world, the momentum of the world that they're living in, it's, it's like leaven working through the dough of your life and all of a sudden it's just in there and it starts having impact and it starts making things lift up and rise up and puff up. Jesus says, you got to watch out for the leaven of Herod. So the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees says, Jesus, I just need, I want you to be who I want you to be. The leaven of Herod says, I want you to let me be who I want to be. Watch out for how that works in and through your life. Jesus, just let me be who I want to be. See, that was Herod. If you read the story of John the Baptist, I know we brushed over it, but it's actually really important. The reason that John the Baptist got arrested The reason Herod didn't want to mess with Jesus too much is because they kept talking to him about the choices he was making in his life. He had married his brother's sister. And John the Baptist was like, that's wrong. And Herod's like, I'm offended by that. So I'm going to put you in jail. Let me do what I want to do. See, Herod represents the government. I'm king. I don't need somebody else telling me what to do. All right. A lot of bread. A lot of bread we're talking about. Don't you understand the bread? <laughs> what? No. A lot of bread. In the Bible, bread represents a lot. It represents the sustenance of life. It represents the source of life. It represents the nutrition of life. And even that's true in so many cultures around the world today. Like bread is like the foundation of nutrients, of nutrition, and of life. I mean, so that's what the Bible talks about, bread, so often. You read through the Old Testament, there's so much bread. So much bread. And in the New Testament, they just pick up that theme. So much bread. Praise the Lord. I love me some good bread. It represents the life source. See, the bread that we're talking about, it's all imagery. It's all metaphor. It's all prophetic. It's all speaking to us about what people are living off of. The bread is what you live off of. The bread is what sustains you. The bread is what you're eating and what you're digesting, what you're working through. And you are what you eat. The leaven, the influence of Herod, the influence of the Pharisees, of religion and of culture, they're working in and through people's lives working in and through their lives. It's the bread that they're eating and it's leaving people hungry. Eating so much, but still so hungry. You ever been eating so much in your life and still found yourself hungry? So busy, but still finding yourself empty. So many connections, but still wondering where the relationships are. Eating so much, getting so much, gaining so much, the next promotion so much, buying the next thing so much, looking for the next thing and finding it out. I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. All right, I'm going to try to get to the point of the message now. I've never really quite understood this before, and I don't know that even I really honestly have the language to say what I'm trying to say or communicate accurately what I'm trying to communicate, but I'll just say it the way I say it, and you can think what you think. 
Are you familiar with the feeding of the 5,000? You ever heard that story before? Show of hands, anybody? Heard of the 4,000? We've heard these stories. Big stories, right? Like, that's awesome. <laughs> it's crazy. And God can multiply anything and provide for you. Amen? That's the sermon, right? But what, what I, what I kind of started to realize this week, at least for us this morning, is that feeding all those thousands of people wasn't actually the sermon. It was the illustration. Remember when I showed that picture of sheep a few weeks ago? It wasn't the sermon. The picture wasn't the sermon, right? It was just an illustration. It was a piece. It was a piece. Of, it, it was a thing, but it wasn't the main thing. See, feeding all these thousands and thousands of people is amazing. It's awesome. It was needed. It was generous. And there's a sermon to preach in there about God can do anything. God can multiply whatever. But, but I would submit to you that it's actually the illustration. And the reason we're covering so much and jumping around so many chapters and the reason that I'm just taking as much time as I want to take this morning is because there's a lot to get through because it's a long sermon, way longer than this sermon. <laughs> These three chapters took like a while. So you can handle a few extra minutes. <laughs> Jesus, the, okay, so there's a sermon here. We're, we're, we're seeing the patterns. We're, we're, we're seeing a lot of bread. We're, we're seeing repeat, a lot, a lot of boats, a lot of bread, a lot of baskets, a lot of, a lot of leaven, a lot of stuff going on here, just repeating over and over again. And so Mark chapter eight, Jesus gets back in a boat, back in a place of need. And Jesus asked them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Like, I don't care about the leaven of the Pharisees. I just want a real loaf of bread. He said, don't you understand? Don't you see it? How, how many loaves? How many, no, how many baskets were left over after the 5,000? And the whole church said, and the whole church said, not a trick question. The whole church said, 12 baskets, 12 baskets. There was 12 baskets left over. See, in the Bible, the number 12 speaks to government speaks to holy, righteous government. It, it speaks to the everlasting lordship of Jesus. That's the number 12, the, the 12 apostles, the 12 elders, the 12 thrones, the 12, it's 12, 12. It's the government of God. It represents the kingdom of God. How many baskets? 12 baskets. The bread fed the 5,000, but it's the 12 baskets that preach the sermon. The 12 baskets are what's preaching the sermon. You can spend your life with you on the throne. You can spend your life and all your energy chasing whatever status you want to choose, trying to accomplish everything that Herod is trying to get you to accomplish, trying to chase everything that culture is trying to chase, tell you to chase. You can waste your worship on people. You can waste your worship on politicians. You can waste your worship on movements. You can waste your worship on moments. You can waste your worship on who's in office or who's not in office or who's got this policy or that policy? Who's got these shoes or that shoes? You can waste your worship on celebrating. Who can do this? Who can do that? You can spend your life lifting up whatever you want on the throne of your life. You can put whatever government you want in place. But when you find yourself hungry and in a desolate place, know that there is a king. There is a king with all power and authority and dominion. He holds all things together by the word of his power. His name is above every name. He has healed you and set you free from every chain that has bound you. You are welcome in this king's kingdom. His arms are wide open where you can come in as a child, adopted and loved by the king who also happens now to be your father. You are not just a slave. You are a slave to the righteousness instead of a slave to the sin that you were 
find it. See, it's better to be a slave to righteousness. You will be slave to something, so it's time to choose your chains. Chain yourself to the King of Kings. Chain yourself to the Lord of Lords. Come under the government of the one who is good, the one who is everlasting. When you're hungry, when you're in a desolate place, when every other king has let you down, let you know, when kingdoms rise and fall, his throne withstands it all. Jesus is king. You are healed and set free. You are commissioned as a co-heir and co-labor into his plans and into his purposes. When you find yourself hungry, know that there is a king. How many baskets left over after the 4,000 and the whole church said seven baskets. In the Bible, the number seven speaks to completion, speaks to perfection, speaks to rest. Seven days of creation. Seventh day is Sabbath rest. The Bible says, Jesus, or, uh, God says, keep my Sabbaths holy because it's this day that's gonna be a mark between you and me where you remember on the day you do nothing, it is I who sanctifies you. On the day you don't work anyway for me, on the day you do nothing for me, you just sit there and remember when I do nothing, it is the grace of God that covers me. That's what seven means. It, it, he, he says, forgiveness. Peter says, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Seven times? He wasn't being literally seven times. He's like, he's like all the time, like a lot of times, all the time. And Jesus says, no, forgive him 70 times, seven times, more than all the time, all the time, times all the time. That's the forgiveness for you. That's the seven that Jesus is pouring out on your life. And it was the bread that fed the 4,000, but it was the seven baskets that were preaching the sermon. It was the seven baskets that were preaching the sermon that religion can't cheapen a love of God that is this complete. Religion can try all day long, but it can't reduce the love of God into their works. You can't work your way into this grace. It just is what it is. This grace is amazing. There is no one righteous, not even one. And even your righteousness and your righteous works are like dirty rags compared to the righteousness of God. But the, by grace, you have been saved. And there is one who knew no sin, who became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God. You can spend your life working Chasing, evaluating, prioritizing you over somebody else, somebody else over you, analyzing yourself by what you can and cannot do, all the things that you can and cannot fulfill, but when you find yourself in a desolate place. And when you find yourself hungry, know that there is a love. There is a love that covers a multitude of sins. Church, I've been praying for you all week. I've been wrestling, wrestling. God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? What's the word for us right now? I've been praying on this passage for two weeks, struggling to understand what Jesus was getting at. He just kept saying, you give him something to eat. And I kept doing this. Like literally in my office. I got nothing. I don't have anything. That's what I've been wrestling with for two weeks on this. I, I was over it. Got me to yesterday, about 4.30, no message. <laughs> Sitting with my wife on the couch, looking at a whiteboard with a bunch of thoughts on it that didn't matter to me at all. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it. She's like, what do you think God's saying? You give him something to eat. I don't, literally, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm overhearing this from God. You give him something to eat. I got nothing. I've got nothing. I'm trying to figure out how to cancel church today. 
like, it's COVID season. I can come up with anything and everyone just roll with it. Maybe I can go get COVID real quick. About 8.30 last night, I finally understood. Finally understood. Jesus is telling his disciples the same thing he was telling his disciples on that day. Now I realize Jesus wants you to come to church this morning and talk to you like a disciple. You are his disciple. You are his disciples. That's, that's how he wants to talk to you straight this morning. He's looking at you and he's telling them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. See, I never noticed before that it actually wasn't Jesus who fed the crowds. It was the disciples. It's late and it's desolate. You should send everybody home. You give them something to eat. We don't have enough. Well, we bring the five, we bring the two, we bring the seven, we bring the two. He takes the bread. He blesses the bread. He breaks the bread. He gives the bread to the disciples. The disciples feed the crowds. They gave them something to eat. The sermon that Jesus was preaching wasn't just that he can multiply bread when you're hungry. The sermon that Jesus was preaching is that he is the bread that the world is hungry for. Don't you understand the loaves? The, the crowd, that was just an illustration. People are hungry. People are in a desolate place. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod isn't sustaining anybody. And I need you to give them something to eat. And the sermon that Jesus is preaching is actually longer than these three chapters. If you go over to Mark chapter 14, as preachers say, this is where he lands the plane. Kind of like you're wondering, when's this guy going to land the plane? Verse, uh, Mark 14, verse 22. And as they were eating, he took the bread. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. He gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, this is my body. Do you understand the loaves? Church, I know it's desolate. You're in a desolate place. I know it kind of feels late. You know, you're tired. I know you're over it. But the people around you are hungry. And you have the bread. What's God saying? Might not be what you want him to say. Which, what I want him to say is, let's go out to a desolate place and rest. But what he's looking at you, he's looking at me saying this morning, what he's saying to his church right now, in this world, in this time, in this moment, in this desolate place, in this world, with no real bread to save anybody, with no, world, with no bread that can feed anybody, with all kinds of leaven trying to work its way into people's lives, promising them, if you just take a little bit more of me, you'll get full. And they, they take a little bit more and you just feel more empty in this world. Church, body of Christ, people of God, Co-heirs of the kingdom. What is God saying? You give them something to eat.
this is your time. This is our moment. I know I'm tired. I'm over it. But people are hungry. And we have the bread. I see Jesus posing this question to me right now. And I'm having to face it personally in a deeper way. Do you really think I'm enough? It's like, how do we take this cliche? Jesus is the answer for everything. Jesus is enough, but what if it's true? What if, see, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven of Herod telling you right now, you need more than Jesus. You need more than Jesus for yourself. You need more than Jesus to give the world. What if Jesus is everything that the world needs? What, what, what if what the world doesn't need from you? Hmm. We are going to worship, so band, you come up for a second. Um, church, we got to, you're going to give somebody something is what I'm really trying to say. We're all giving people something. What are you giving? What are you giving the world to eat? Are you more focused on giving them your religion and the rights and wrongs and the things they really ought to do and the things they really should straighten up first? Are you more concerned with giving them your politics, your opinions, your preferences? Or will you give them the bread? Will you give somebody Jesus? See, we gotta see the crowds with compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And I know there's a lot to get upset about. There's a lot to separate on, but will you look deeper? Will you see people hungry? Will you see people in a desolate place? Will you see people tired? Instead of getting caught up in the surface stuff, will you go down into their hearts? Jesus is the bread. He came. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. And he gave his church the bread. And now he's looking at us and he's saying, you give them something to eat. Wherever you are, you give them something to eat. Whoever's around you, you give them something to eat. I know they need so much, but you give them something to eat. Don't walk away without giving them something to eat. I know you don't have what they need, but give them something to eat. I know you don't have the answers, but give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. We're gonna stand and worship and we'll get done right about just in time for the second service to start. I'm just gonna pray for us. Jesus, we love you. We <clears throat> celebrate you right now and we receive your word right now to give the world something to eat. We're asking that you would teach us. Teach us to understand. Teach us to see with compassion. And we thank you, Lord. We choose right now and we believe again, you are everything. You are everything that we need. Your government is above every government. Your love is above every religion and rule. Your love is great. Your love is strong. Your, 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 your throne does not fall, Lord. We stand on you this morning. 
Teach us as your church to step above the leaven of the Pharisees, above the leaven of Herod, and to give the kingdom of God in Jesus' name.